Welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. <laughs> yeah, we've had a bit of a fight before the podcast started. Oh, you got really angry with me. It's just, you know what it is? The last week ended a chapter in my life, something that I had been doing for a long time, and it was brought to an abrupt end What's this that? past week. Last week was the last ever day that I was allowed to complain in front of you. Because my complaining in front of Jojo B days are officially over. God, he talks just such bollocks sometimes. Honestly. If I, he just keeps telling people this for some reason. And I'm just like, stop fucking saying it because it's not even true. Well, you know, if I say, oh, do you know what? My back's hurting a little bit today. I get, oh, well, my back was hurting for nine months being pregnant. That's nothing compared to that. I mean, I literally have never said these words. But it's the it's the retorts that you give to me every time I, I complain about even the little things. Do you know what he, he was complaining about being tired? And I was like, well, welcome to my life because I, you know, I do five days a week, five nights a week. Mm. And then you do two nights of the weekend, right? Which I very much appreciate because it gives me some time off and lets me sleep. And I just, he complained because he had like a bad night. Usually it's quite, quite good nights with you. And he had a bad night with you. And I was like, well, this is pretty much like my life recently. Mm because he's gone from being a very good sleeper to being a pretty bad sleeper again recently. It's very, very tiring. It's taken its toll on me. And that was the one thing I said. Was it? Yes. There's always an underlying tone with Jojo V that's like, a, you know, that kind of passive-aggressive kind of smile I am in not passive-aggressive. I used to be the queen of passive-aggressiveness. And I, yeah. I now I, I stopped. I consciously stopped doing it because it was unhealthy for me and for the people around me to be around that kind of mood uh so i stopped doing it and that was before we got together i stopped doing that uh, so you haven't experienced passive aggressive jojo v. Oh, i've seen passive aggressive jojo v it, i mean like it a small 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 bits people in the past previous people have experienced full full-on passive aggressive me so this is fuck all so shut up basically <laughs> so, that's what I mean. and so I also can't, i can't even i can't even i can't even clear about anything because either way jojo b will still say to me oh but you know it, it's nothing compared to the, the we don't want to hear about this shit no one cares about our stupid arguments about stupid things all i said to him was that okay we're probably gonna have to get, get a move on with the podcast because we have to go and pick up the little one that's what i said yeah but i was like you know we can't rush perfection do you know what I mean? This is like the one of the. It's not one... you in the studio spending, you know, until like five o'clock in the morning. We've got a child to go oh, and pick days. up and, you know, put in the bath and get to sleep. Yeah. So, shush. So, hence the reason why I can't complain about Jojo B because I end up getting a rant in my ear like you just heard just there. It's This but... is not on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you will not get the last word on this. This is subjective. This is not on like, me. I wish there was like a referee in the room because like I could, I could, I could at least show them my side. He just wants to be a victim all the time. No, and he's not. I'm just saying, if I, he's if I felt really like... He's really lucky to have a wife who's 
you know, just so easygoing like I am. Because <laughs> honestly, you, you should know. be married to some of the girls that we know. And uh, then you would know how bad it can be. Uh, okay. Do you want to care to name some names? No, I don't. <laughs> but there's a lot of girls that we know. There's a lot of girls that we know that you could not oh, be married dear. to because they would be too much for you. Mm. Right? You know, everyone has somebody for them. But that's like you need someone like me. Wow. Who is just like, do what you want most of the time. And do I not say those words to you at least once a week? Do what you want. Why are you asking me for? Yeah. In a nice way of kind of like, you don't need my permission. No, but I ask, no, it's not so much asking permission, but I do, you know, want to, you know, share what's happening to make sure that it doesn't coincide with things that we need to get done. Yeah, that's fine. Just kind of running things by me. But like, I don't, you, you don't need to ask my permission for things. All right. Can I still complain then? Do what you want. For fuck's <laughs> sake. So Jojo B, uh, who had who had a good night's sleep and somehow woken up on the wrong side of bed. No, but no, no. I didn't wake up on the wrong side of bed. I did have a good night's sleep because there was like a bloody bird going wah, 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 and right outside the window at about five o'clock this morning. Mm. So and I'd rather be woken up with my baby's cries than that fucking noise instead. But I woke up in a good mood. You have literally in the past half an hour put me in a bad mood. Yeah, that works the same way here. I was in a really good mood because my bubs had a really good night's sleep. And we were together and we had a boys morning together. You know how much we love each other. And now you've just ruined it. So basically, you ruined everything for both of us. No, you've ruined everything. No, you did this because you got angry for no reason. And then you made me angry for no reason. So that's just, it's all your fault. Yeah, so I don't know. End of. Let's move on with the show. Yeah, Nobody so cares. So by the way, Nobody cares. back with the, uh, five minutes into the show. This is the Native Immigrants Podcast. We've been back for a month and I'm sure you lovely listeners are wondering what's happened for the past month. It's probably been a month of what you just heard there for the last five minutes. No, because I went to my happy place. I went to Newcastle and I went to the seaside in the sunshine multiple times. And I and because the seaside is twenty minutes from my house, and it was amazing. And you were working somewhere else. I was working somewhere else, and you know having a good time because I didn't have to deal with Ranty Jojo V for a few weeks. So it was a win-win situation all round. Yes, it was. You Sometimes know. you just need a break. Tell me about it. Uh, but here we are because we have to still provide a service, which is this show for our lovely listeners. I told you people in the first episode, man's are on the brink, fam. <laughs> And you hear it on a week by week basis. This man couldn't function without me, so I know we're not on the break. My days. (laughs) Literally doesn't know his ass from his elbow without me. Bruv, you know what? I'm, this thing, I want to put this show out so people can actually. You know what? That, remember those months where it's like people don't hear what Jojo B's really like because she's all calm in this like kind of real serene, you know, interview. Uh, no, I'm era. not calm when he and makes me angry. Really Believe me, I have a fiery side when it needs to be fired up. But, but generally, I'm that. just like, nah, whatevs. <laughs> exactly. So this is the well, if If it's brought out the passion in Jojo B rather than having like a mind. Oh, don't take credit for this. Well, you know, I might, I've, got, I've got to tell it like it is, fam. No. Anyway, like, fuck's sake. Um, Native Americans podcast. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Yeah, so we've uh, taken a month off from our last show. Apologies for the extended time period, but we're here. We've returned for possibly our last ever show. <laughs> so let's get some feedback from our last show. Which what was, was our last show about? A month back, and it was during the month of Pride. Woo-hoo! So it was a Pride special. 
Yes, it was. Yes, and it was one of my favourite shows from this season so far. And we got some great feedback from a lot of people. Thank you to Kakan Qureshi, who shared it and said it was a great show. Really loved some of the insight uh, and some of the things that we talked about. Bigged up Jojo B. Um, God knows why, but um, thank you to Kakan Qureshi. Are you going to be like really horrible all the way through the show? No, I'm just saying, you know, big up Kakan Qureshi. Because you already show. make yourself sound bad enough anyway, usually. So you just make yourself make put myself, on even worse. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank I you do love Kaka him, Kaka. really. He's just really pissed me off. For no Unbelievable. Reason. Uh, thank you to Kakan Qureshi. Uh, thank you to Peter Cooper as well, who shared the show and put it out on our social media. Thank you. We were both great guests on our last show. But we had a lot of other people from the LGBTQ community who also checked out the show and gave us great feedback. But we also got one of our first trolls. We have officially made it. Yeah. We got trolled. Specifically, he put, he he kind of aimed it at me. Yeah. What <laughs> was that all about? What a dickhead. Um, he basically said that we sounded like we didn't know what we were on about, that we were rubbish presenters, mm. and that we'd done no research, and then pointed me in the, <laughs> the direction of a website that I was obviously not going to click on because it sounded dodgy as fuck. Yeah. And uh, that was going to educate me yes. on what was happening, which is basically that... There's some kind of gay conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I, I, I didn't click on the link, but I have looked at his conversation on his timeline. Obviously, I have yeah, to go and investigate the There's a lot of uh, different levels of bigotry from all different corners on most of this dude's account. For me, it was a real positive step in the right direction. Because I think only when you're at a level of influence and respectability do you get entertained from the likes of Keyboard Warriors? And also, he gave us a full listen because he listened to our show. Yes, big up, so, big up for listening to the show, Mr. Okay. Big Man. Thanks for the numbers. Yeah, big up yourself. And like I said, we're always about discussion and communication and conversation, you mm -hmm. know, with our shows. We want to open up that dialogue, but it's got to be with people who are willing to open their minds up and think about things outside of their own narrow-minded opinions. Mm -hmm. So we weren't prepared to engage in a conversation with anyone that was going to... No, I just completely ignored him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, just, I, read, I read his tweet, I looked at his timeline, and then I thought, fuck off, you dickhead. Yeah, you'll probably get more conversation out of a plank. But otherwise, we've got some great feedback for the show. Thank you so much to everyone that did listen to it. And we want to big up another British Asian podcast. Yes, we do. Yes. Because uh, they listened to this show and then got in touch with us saying how much they loved it. And they have a podcast of their own. It's called You Don't Love Me Podcast. It's genius. It's a genius name. It's it, a genius name. I wish we thought of it. Because it's, it's a term that you use on me all, all the, the time. time. All the time. Yeah. So if this wasn't the Native Immigrants Podcast, there's probably a good chance it probably would have been called something like that. You Don't Love Me. Are we, are we made up now? Are we friends? Are we friends? Are we friends? Are we friends again? No, you don't love me. Can you show me cleavage? No. <laughs> anyway, those privileges <laughs> being taken away <laughs> for a small amount of time. Yes. Okay. We'll make up later on tonight. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, but we want to big up Amir and Amir. One, see, one's one's Amir, and the other one's Amir. I think. I mean, I just call him Amir and Amir. I do? Amir and Amir. But you, you said the word cold and cold as the same word. Don't start this again. Okay, fine. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
big up Amir and Amir then. I'll, that's how I'll pronounce it. Maybe it's a London thing. I kind of pronounce it a certain way. Okay. But um, two great guys. Uh, they're a married couple. And they have the same name. It's amazing. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the pod, I listened to the first few shows of the podcast and it's actually brilliant. One, because it reminds me so much of us. All married couples are the same. Yeah, exactly. In whichever walk of life. <laughs> um, but along with being absolutely hilarious in the conversation, done, they've got amazing banter and chemistry between them. But you know what? They've got some awesome opinions and views. You know, in the first show, they delve into politics and they delve into uh, discrimination. They delve into uh, the racial debates happening right now in the UK. Yeah. It was, you know, some real great, topical conversation and they've carried that on for the next couple of shows we need to catch up in the last couple but it's a great british asian podcast it shows opinions and and conversations from a completely different perspective but one that i think is very needed in today's today's society yeah it was a perspective that was lacking on podcasts yeah and i think it's lovely that they're doing it and it's great to see not only representation from our community but members of the lgbtq plus community from our South Asian communities, because for years and years and years, it's been, you know, an unheard voice yes. in the mainstream and media. And I think now is the time for, and, and podcasts are the best way to showcase that, you know, absolutely. Um, lovely, lovely guys and a great, great podcast. I can't recommend it highly enough. And also, I really want to big them up because they gave us a review for our podcast. <laughs> that is awesome and they gave us five stars yeah much love and they said only recently discovered this podcast through mine and my partner's podcast and i am loving it thank you for being amazing hilarious and relatable wow big up and we could say the same thing right back at them i and and what i might just do is copy and paste this and put that on (laughs) theirs because that's exactly what i want to say about their podcast it is also we're massively lazy yeah well yeah we literally don't have the time being between having a baby but uh, we will send them an awesome podcast on itunes um not not only because they did the same for us because it is genuinely an awesome podcast um and so big up amir and amir and hopefully one day who knows we might have like a cross-pollination of podcasts between ours and theirs that would be so fun honestly like we we have to like put the laptop on like high battery because we might be all night just talking shit yeah talking nonsense (laughs) um but you know what they say you know when you're waiting for one bus all of a sudden two pop along yeah they say three come is it three three wait for a bus and then three come along at once yeah oh is it yeah okay in in where we live when instead of one two come along at once because it's london yeah exactly one's always stuck in traffic tell me about it so we actually have another review for our podcast (laughs) yeah we've got two this we've we've been a dearth of reviews for so long was it the other amir uh no because that would have been hilarious (laughs) (laughs) pick up amir and amir (laughs) No, no, no. It's from Rai Jazz, uh, who also reviewed us on iTunes, saying, really enjoy this podcast, gave us five stars, and said, I really enjoy this podcast. It's great to listen to someone talk about growing up in the Asian communities in West London, where I grew up. I always look forward to the next episode. So basically just reviewing you then. Big up Rai Jazz, because you know what it's all about. It's all about me. Jojo B appreciates you really. Can you hear my eye roll? 
How dare you? Someone's given us an amazing glowing <laughs> no, review. Thank you very much for the review. It's very nice. Very nice that you reviewed my husband. Thank you. Well, yeah, well, you know, I you know, take up a massive part of this podcast. And I'd like to think that our listenership, you know, um, appreciates that. Yeah. Oh, my days. But anyway, <laughs> please do continue <laughs> to send us reviews and ratings on iTunes uh, because it gets more and more people involved and other people could hear about us through, you know, the popularity that we gain from this podcast. So please do continue to review and rate us on iTunes. And also amongst your friends. Yeah, and mostly amongst your friends as well. Word of mouth. Word of mouth, honestly, is the best form of marketing, you know. So You might finally get paid for this shit. <sighs> yeah, someone has to pay this uh, boy through nursery, school, university and shit. I don't want to go back to work. Yeah, I hear about this every day. Georgia V is coming up to the end of a maternity leave in a few months. And it's literally like, you know, the, you know, it was like the last couple of days of school holidays that ended that six weeks and you got back to school in September. Many, Jana. Yeah. And then you just, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't get a night's sleep and you're just tossing and turning the whole night about how much you hated everything. Uh, so that's what it's going to be a collective like month of that in the last month before Georgia B goes back. Okay, let's not think about it. I've still got a couple of months left. It's fine, yeah. it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I can do this, I can do this. All right, let's talk about happier things then. Okay. So we have a new Prime Minister. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so what's happened? This, see, we leave you guys for a whole month and what the fuck do you do? Fucking put Bojo as Prime Minister. Well, I mean, the people who listen to us who are also members of the Conservative Party were the ones who did this. <laughs> That's true. All you, all you Tories that listen to our show, firstly, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Love you. But also, what the fuck were you thinking? Seriously. I just want to disengage from the world for a little while. Honestly. I've, yeah, it's, those... I know we have to engage more than ever now and fight back and, you know bring the revolution on and all that kind of stuff but really i just want to just you know just hide <laughs> hide from the mess that is this world because there's no safe place now in this world that's the thing where do you go Who? everywhere is a fucking mess look at the states look at here look at russia you look across europe the far right taking up fucking brazil for fuck's sake look at it it's honestly some of the worst times and then we had like 40 degree weather and that's not normal. And that is completely to do with climate change. So we've got that to contend with <laughs> as well. So just, you know what? Just, let's just, let's just not even speak. Let's not mention it again. Let's make this, <laughs> let's make this a government free zone. Politics free zone. Uh, just for this show. I do you know what? I made a whole load of notes about Priti Patel. I'm not going to say anything because do you know why? I hate her. That's why. That's all I need to say. Um, yes, but I do feel we have a responsibility to at least touch on it. I love the fact that during this heat wave, uh, and Bojo came in the same day, people were like, that's not climate change. That's the gates of hell opening up. Uh, <laughs> that's reason. how it feels. Um, but okay. So touching on a, on a name that you did mention there, we should, we should, we should talk about it. We should discuss it because it's one that has divided a lot of opinion amongst our communities. It, and it, some of it a little bit outrageously, some of it with, if you, if you change the cap you're wearing with a, you know, a certain amount of merit. But no, right. So, right. This has all started from a certain someone saying on Twitter that so any representation is good. So if you see this person of the same color in a high 
in a you know in a kind of high powered position in government that is a good example to set to your children because they could then achieve anything they can feel like they can achieve anything greatness now the problem with this is and i think a lot of people have said this is that it's not just about seeing your color up there someone mm. with your skin tone up there it's about what they represent being something that you should aspire to or not mm. now preeti patel it's fucking corrupt. Now, mm. do I want my child to be, you know, looking up to her and saying, oh, look, mommy, she's, you know, home secretary. And so I want to be her. No, I don't. Because she got there through being fucking corrupt. Mm. And so that's what that, that is the lesson that I need to teach him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. That, is, that is the worst. Ah, <laughs> ah we, nobody will get there. None of us will get there through merit at the moment. Right. No one's managed it yet. They've done mm. it through corruption and being shit and being sacked for doing something terrible and then being promoted to an even higher position than they were before by somebody who, who is corrupt themselves. Yeah. Thinking, I'm just going to surround myself with more corrupt people. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing with Bojo, because if you look at the level of like incidents, statements that he's made, remarks that he's made across the tabloids and media, and then for him to then you know, attain the highest rank of parliament based off of that. It sets a horrible precedent for, and it filters through basically the rest of his entire cabinet. Um, like you've mentioned, Preeti Patel is, is home secretary now. You can list off a number of atrocities that she's been involved with. Do you want, okay, I'll tell you what notes I made. She lobbied for tobacco and alcohol, Yeah. right? She has um, had multiple meetings with Netanyahu's government. I think that's a famous um, one. Uh, with all, an all expenses paid holiday to Israel, mm. which was then just a series of meetings with his government's representatives. Yeah. Right? And this is all behind Theresa May, Theresa May's back. And that's why she got sacked. Mm -hmm. Right? And this is why she was International Development Secretary. Yes. Right? And she has voted for cutting police numbers. And now she's the fucking Home Secretary. And she's, she's not only in charge of all of that, the police, but she's also in charge of MI5. God. God forbid. This woman, right? And she's voted against same-sex rights, human rights, and equality laws. Yeah, yeah. And she's voted for cutting benefits. So let's make poor people even poorer. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? What really annoys me is that she's an Asian person who is perpetuating that whole stereotype of Asian people being corrupt, of people in power in places like India and Pakistan mm. and Bangladesh just being massively fucking corrupt. She's doing the same thing here. Yeah, with that ideal and logic, right? And it just makes me really sad that... Anyone who's Asian who has a position of power only seems to get there by being massively fucking corrupt. I've sworn a lot so far in this half <laughs> of the show. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm so angry that's how you really feel because I hate her. I, I don't hate a lot of people, but I hate the fact that, well, I don't, maybe not her as a person, maybe actually probably her what as a person. she represents. But everything she represents yeah, is everything yeah. that I hate. And, and you know, and I think it, it hits home a lot harder because she is a British Asian woman. And in any other context, in any other place in time, to see an Asian British woman ascend the ranks of parliament to, to get to the level where she's at would be such a massively pride-filled moment. If she'd done it on merit, it would be. If she'd done it on merit, but also if it was any other woman. <laughs> like, with, when we talk about Preeti Patel, we talk about one of the worst of our kind. 
And I think she's just one of the worst of humankind. She's not great. And you know, we've been we've been <laughs> we've been speaking about her from one of our early shows of last year when she wanted to distance herself away from the term BAME. Yeah, exactly. So now we're supposed to love her because she's Asian and she's in a position of power. And she doesn't want to be known as Asian. Yeah, so she exactly. can fuck off. And anyone who thinks that I, my child should look up to her can also fuck off. <laughs> uh, so what about Sajid Javid then? As oh, fuck him as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll end, end the politics, end the politics uh, segment of the show. Please, can we just right talk there. about something that makes me happy? Okay, okay. So moving away from politics. So it's, yeah, it's been an eventful month since we've since we've last in the last show. But there's been some great things on TV. How about TV, Jojo yes, B? Can we yes. talk about TV? Beach of House. Yeah, okay. So, I think Jojo B's back in back into a, a special place. Uh, I don't know. I have not read any reviews of Beecham House. Mm. I don't know what anyone else thinks of it, but I love it. It's cheesy, yeah. yes, but I love it. Yeah, it is. But okay, let's let's hop back to uh, our our second show when we talk about uh, you know Asians in British pop culture and how we wanted to get away from shows that exoticize Asians, exoticize Indians, make everything look like the old days of the Raj and the British Empire. And now it's a show that's pretty much slapping all those stereotypes like head on. Yeah, and also there's but, a massive white saviour thing going on there. But mm. do you know what? I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's everything that I normally would not enjoy yeah. and be like, I roll, turn it off, can't be asked. But I can't stop watching it. I don't know mm. what it is about it that has made me want to watch it, even though everything about it is wrong and I shouldn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's directed by Gurinder Chadha, you know, who's also, uh, I think, one of the co-writers as well. Um, I mean, she's not had the best run of things recently. Recently, no. Um, but I, yeah, I, do you know what? I, I was also pleasantly surprised by Beecham House because, you know, it had everything that, could have been rubbing me up the wrong way basically uh the british empire all involved but the storyline is actually the one that's more interesting you yes know? it's very intriguing and also the one great thing about it is the actual main character he seems to be very uh, torn between what's happening in, with the british empire in india at the time and the east india company specifically and he's not, distanced he's himself. Even, yeah, he's not even torn. He's just like, this is disgusting and I don't want to be a part of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so they do detail a lot of like what's negative about the East India Company and yes. the British Raj at the time. Yes, I think which do. has been a quite a refreshing way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, the East India Company are baddies. Yes, exactly. They're the villains. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so that way, I guess it's trying to take itself away from, you know, your usual narrative. Yeah, uh, and I think shows. the caliber of cast as well has yeah, you some know, great actors in it's it. It's got Roshan Sate in it. It's got uh, who else is got? Wendy Gears in it as well. Yes, love him. Um, Lara Dutta's in it. Yeah, Lara Dutta's in it, which is a welcome surprise. Yeah. Um, but then you also got people like Mark Warren, who's yes. in there. You know, you know, caliber British British actors yeah. and stuff in it. And so yeah, so this it seems to be a great ensemble cast. But I think, yeah, I think it's one of those shows where, like, you know, we've watched like four or five episodes of it now. I kind of want to see how it develops. I think some of the shows, it start off amazingly. And then by the time it gets to the last few episodes, it starts to tail off. And you're like, oh, right, really? Bodyguard. Like Bodyguard, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, Beecham House, we thought we'd give it a chance. And so far, it's not done too badly, Yeah, you know, for us. So, um, yeah, ITVs on thing on Sunday nights. You know? Do you know, I haven't watched a good period drama for years as well, so it's quite nice. Yeah. Downton Abbey just kind of passed me by. So yeah. this um, yeah. Okay. Ackley Bridge is still on. Yes. We're still catching up because we missed a few episodes of that. Yeah. So we're still catching up. But um, 
yeah, it's it carried on as it is. Um, it's a little bit again. It's the thing with Acme Bridge. You, you see what you see is what you get. It's a little bit far fetched at times, but they do delve into some serious subject matters. And so, you know, that's, you know, one of the reasons why we'll always recommend it, because there's very few shows that talk about British Asians living normally in society. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's racial issues within the city itself, like we saw one of the recent episodes where um, there was a hate crime and, you know, there was a the whole town lobbied against each other between the Asian community and the local white community. And I think that's it's topical for a lot of things that's happening in society right now across yeah. the UK. Um, so, you know, we'll big up Ackley Bridge every time for that. But interestingly, two shows that were out this past week. Mm-hmm. We love British Asian comedies. Yeah. Uh, well, not love. We we like certain ones and frown upon others. Yes. And so, you know, when watching these shows, we do watch them with, uh, you know, not, not rose-tinted glasses. But we always give them a chance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If our own communities are not going to support these shows, then how is the rest of the UK going to do that? Yeah. So first of all, Muslamic, which yeah. was a, a show that was on BBC Three, uh, written by and starring Atif Nawaz and Ali Shahalam. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, not bad at all. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Basically talking about the British Muslim experience and you know poking fun at basically how British Muslims are treated in the UK. Uh, together with some of the stereotypes they have within our own communities against each other. Mm-hmm. It had very much a goodness gracious me style humour to it in terms yes. of the sketches. Yeah, I and felt. some of the surrealness as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think my particular favourite from it was the two Asian guys in the office that are just trying to out-white each other. <laughs> Which know? is so true. Yeah. Because most of it is just, you go, you sit there and you go, that's so true. Yeah, and I think that's one of the great things that was, you know, so refreshing about Goodness Gracious Me because it was the first real show that was like, oh my God, yes, I can relate to this. Yeah. And being obviously lots of comedies that have kind of been hit or miss since then. Um, but with Muslamic, it's kind of got elements of that. Like I said, two young guys. We saw Atif Nawaz, do you remember, at that... Uh, that comedy night at the Patel Community Centre. Oh, yeah. yeah just love, it was had random. a really good lineup. Yeah, like, it's like there was, um, you know, Hyde Banessa also. Yeah. And uh, Suk Ojla also. Yeah. Yeah, who's actually a writer of the next show that we're going to talk about. Yes, the Tez O'Clock show. Yeah, that was on last week as well. What did you think of that, Jojo B? I liked it. I liked it, but I think obviously it's the first episode and yeah. it felt very kind of reading the script. Yes. A little yeah. bit. But I think that will change. I think that will just, as Tez and all the other people kind of get more comfortable mm-hmm. being in that role and kind of being in, in the studio and stuff, I think that will start becoming a bit more natural. Yeah, um, I think so. But I thought it was a good start. Yeah. And I think also it's just like, we were just we were discussing this when we were watching it, that it's just really important that we have people talking about these things that represent parts of our community that wouldn't necessarily engage with the politics that are going on yes or really kind of know, understand the kind of the backstory of a lot of stuff that's going on in in the in the news hmm. he kind of explains it but in a way that you want to you'll be able to listen to it and kind of relate to it and go oh okay yeah that yeah makes well there's there's is does that a lot on his social media he I follow does, him on twitter he does. and you know a lot of his conversation is is humorous but also very political as well at the same time you know it, obviously the show reminded me a lot of the mash report 
uh, with Nish Kumar. Yeah. Where they, you know, where they talk about a lot of politics and they like intersperse that with like comedic sketches. But I still feel like the MASH report tries to be a little bit more highbrow. Mm, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's not that this, this is lowbrow, it's just a bit more relatable, relatable I think, to, to like... A, directly at them. Yeah, and to a younger demographic as yes. well. Whereas MASH report is very much kind of like your mid-30s onwards, the basically. The crowds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is maybe slightly younger skewing which yeah. is nice no it is nice and he's he's nicely ably backed up by Sindhu V and Guz Khan yeah, who are both hilarious yeah so yeah. he's a man like Mo Bean co-star I do agree it's the first show so it was a little bit kind of like just trying to you know just feel themselves out kind of thing you know tr- yeah. test the waters kind of thing and give it a few more shows let's see how both of those two shows develop yeah and you know they're definitely worth checking out because we need to support more of our own talent that are getting opportunities we you know we bang on about the fact that you know commissioning editors aren't giving enough platforms enough of a platform for british asians on mainstream tv here are two shows that have got the green light and they're out there and the only way they'll be able to progress and develop and get better is with the support of our own communities to enable that to happen, you know? So support both those shows and check them out, please. Yeah, and let us know what you think. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but at least give it a go. Yeah, but lastly in this half of the show, we spoke about this on episode 10 of last season, a very serious episode about forced marriages. One of our best shows ever. I love the fact that so many people engage with us on that show. Um, charity organizations, uh, people within those communities that spoke about it. But something recently happened to progress the situation here in the UK, Jojo B. Yes, something called Operation Limelight was launched by the police um, in its first ever national crackdown on forced marriage mm-hmm. um, at a number of airports across the country at the start of the summer holiday. So between the 15th and 19th of July, there was a kind of like intensification yeah. of all of this. There's always some kind of operations going on, but this is like a kind of national focus thing yeah um so it focused on flights connecting the uk to destinations where there is a high prevalence of forced marriage Mm. um they trained airport and airline staff to spot the signs and feel more confident in going to the police that they think that something was wrong Um, and police officers were using intelligence to identify victims as well Uh, the forced marriage unit provided support last year for nearly 1,800 cases of suspected forced marriage. Wow. And so that's why they felt that there needed to be a crackdown. A crackdown on it, because, yeah, absolutely. you know, this is a problem that's not going away at the moment. In 2018, one third of those forced marriage cases involved children under 18. Oh my days. And the cases came from 74 different countries, but the highest numbers were from, and this is in order, Pakistan with 769. Bangladesh with 157 and India with 110 cases. Wow. And so that makes up more than half of the cases that happened last year were all from South Asian countries. So this really does affect our community massively, mm. as we spoke about in our previous show. And the police are really trying to crack down on this now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it needs to be um, a much more focused, detailed investigation on a lot of these things um and it's taken long enough to get to a position where now they're finally beginning to make that happen yeah we saw the first uh convicted cases of forced marriages happen last year yeah uh and there's been obviously progression since then and this can only be again a step in the right direction to help eradicate what is of what is just a disease within our community yeah it's been going on for years i mean when i was in school there was there was a friend of mine who between lower sixth and upper sixth went to Bangladesh and got married and she kind of went willingly 
it seemed. Mm. But when you think about it now, like she was 16. Yeah. 16, 17 years old. And I don't know how willing you are at that age to get married and how much you're just pressured into it and you just kind of give up and go, well, this is what my life is meant to be like. Yeah. So she just went off and got married. Needless to say, it didn't last. Yeah. And it was just an awful situation for her to be in. And it's just something that like, now that I'm older, it doesn't feel right anymore. At the time it was like, oh, what's going on? Oh, she's getting married. Like, what can you do? Yeah. But now I'm older and wiser. I'm like, no, that's really fucked up. Well, that's the thing. We need to get out of that mentality and that mindset, you know, and that's one isolated case, but there's like countless of these happening across communities within this country itself. And that's what we need to help tackle. And that's what we need to help eradicate. It's Um, it's changing that mindset from this is normal and it happens and whatever, never mind. So this is wrong. This is really wrong. Because not every single case of forced marriage is that they're being dragged by their hair. A lot of it's just coercion until they just grind someone down until they just give in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that needs to stop. And hopefully this operation will help to put an end to what is uh, a massive issue within our community. Yeah. Right. Well, that is the first half. Of an emotionally charged, energetic first half. I feel like we're in a better place now, babe. Yeah, yeah, we've got over it now. High five. High five. Uh, I can't reach. I can't reach. That far. There you go. Okay, there you go. Yeah, pick up. Yeah. Um, when we're back on the other side of this show, we're going to be discussing books. We're going to get our literary hats on and talk about yeah. books. So see us on the other side, people. <laughs> Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we're going to kick things off with an apology. Sorry. (laughs) At least make it sincere, Jojo B. It is sincere. I'm really sorry if it sounded like I was really ungrateful for the review from Rai Jazz. Um, I very much appreciate that you listened to our show and, and made the effort to write a whole review for us and everything. Yes. And you know what? Yes, the husband does make up half of the show and he is very good. So thank you very much. Thank you. For appreciating us. Yeah, you know, we we don't get many amazing reviews. So when we do get them, Jojo B, show a little bit more courtesy and respect. I mean, I think this the it was just tainted with the fact that I hated you in that moment. <laughs> so that's why that so, happened. It wasn't anything yeah. to do with you, Jack. I feel like your name is probably Jazz Rai. Uh, potentially, yeah. But anyway, but um, I don't, I, it was nothing to do with you. It was more to do with the fact that my husband had pissed me off. Right. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, well, don't take your your anger out on me on others, Jojo B, you know? I'm sorry. Especially our lovely that. listeners. I'm sorry. And for we doing appreciate that. And also, you. You're all right. As a new me husband. Me or, or Rai no, Jazz? Husband, husband. Yeah, you. exactly. Rai Jazz is fucking amazing because they wrote us an amazing review. Yeah, and we really appreciate that someone would just, anyone would just take their time. Do you know what I mean? To go to the to iTunes and then sit there and write a. Abs- do you know what? That, that, that stuns me. That actually stuns me that someone would actually go out of their way to go onto any kind of, you know, device yeah. and give us a review for our show. I find that like mind boggling that someone would do that for us. It, honestly, it, it makes everything really warm and tingly inside. No, thank you very, 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 very much to everybody who does that. Thank you so, so much. It keeps us going. All right. 
So firstly, the Asia House Bogri Foundation Literature Festival. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, but it is coming back for this year. I can't believe it's been a year since we went. Do you know what I mean? I was really like heavily pregnant last time we went. Yeah, you were. But we had a really great time at a number of awesome events. We did. You know, so thank you so much to Asia House for uh, getting us onto a few of these events. You know, guest list shit. (laughs) Big up. Didn't remember us this year though. Yeah, well, it's still early days. This is very true. And also, no, I have to stop taking my like old anger out on. Do you know what I'm saying? You're not pregnant anymore, <laughs> you bastard. I'm so sorry. The baby has popped out now. So What's all wrong of this. With me today? So before I could blame the hormones and shit on this, there's no more. The baby's out. It has. It's got its own life for the last seven months. This is just oh, you. No, don't this get is it just twisted. You. Don't get it twisted. A woman is just, a, just you know, a minefield of hormones at all times. At all like, just it's you don't know what it's like to be a woman. But fair enough. There's no excuse for me being a massive bitch. So yes. <laughs> preach, preach that, preach that. Thank you, thank you, Asia House Literature Festival um, for literature literature festival mm-hmm. for bringing so many amazing events because it sounds amazing this year. Yes, it really does. Uh, so- I really want to go to a lot of these things, but I have a child. Well, you know, we'll see what we can do um, in terms anyone of like, alternating. Babysit? Yeah, if anyone's happy to babysit, please, please do. With your CRB yeah, checks, checks and stuff. done, yeah, please. Exactly, Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah, please have it printed out by the time you come here. Um, right, so some of the events that were going to be taking place, it kicks off in September. Um, so there's a whole number of events. These are the ones that I found most interesting. Uh, Nikita Gill is going to have a book launch there, mm-hmm. which sounds amazing. Yeah. Your favorite uh, literature man, Shashi Tarur. He is my favorite, but also slightly problematic, but also my favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the controversy that you love. But I'm not married to him, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. True. But he's having an event called Books That Shaped My Life, mm-hmm. which should be really fascinating. This event sounded really interesting, actually. Uh, it's, it's called British Asian Women and Shakespeare. And that it, sounds very good. Yeah, it details a lot of roles that British Asian actresses have done in in Shakespearean plays. Oh, and yeah, just again, two amazing things of British society: British mm. Asian women and Shakespeare. No, that sounds very interesting. Indeed, um, Babita Sharma is having an event there called Generations Apart which is uh, Reflections of a Second Generation Immigrant. That sounds very good. Yeah, because she wrote The Corner Shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also saw that documentary she did on BBC about The Corner Shop as well. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, and she presented it. And, and that was like my life. Exactly. It could, it could have just been like Jojo B presenting it and it would have been an entirely similar show. Yeah. Entirely similar. Entirely different. It could be entirely similar. <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> Or oh, same difference. Same difference. Oh my fucking days! <laughs> you know what? Like, this, okay. So I don't see. I don't know if people outside of our community use that phrase because I've not seen anyone outside of our community use that phrase, <laughs> and I think difference. it's something that's only inherently British Asian. Same difference, bro. Same difference in it. The Indian would say, or same difference on that is what Pakistani would say. You know. Is it really just like a us lot thing? I don't, I've only seen our people use that term. I've not seen anyone else use that. Really? Yeah. I never really thought about it. I just always said it. Yeah, same difference, isn't it? Same difference. Same difference, isn't it? But then it's also because I say, you know, some people say six of one and half a dozen of another. Yeah. And then I say six and two threes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a legit phrase. It's like six and two threes. No one ever 
literally no one in my 40 years of living on this earth has ever used that phrase. But you're not from my way. I did take you to my way, though, didn't you I? Did, I? You did. I was in uh, New Biggin. New Biggin by the sea, lovely you know. little seaside village that I used to live in. Yes, but uh, but I didn't. And again, I didn't hear anyone else on those ends use that term. Literally, <sighs> just you. So, um, you know, maybe adapt yourself to the rest of society and use stuff that normal people use. Oh, shut up! Don't start again. And uh, also, um, going back to the Asia House Literature Festival, yes, uh, humble the poet. Uh, is going to be there really? conversationally. Yeah, uh, talking it because obviously he's written a number of books now. Yeah. Um, and big up, he was on a breakfast club I saw the other day on a radio interview. Oh, nice. Amazingly huge strides. Um, and he's going to be there in conversation discuss, um, discussing um, his latest, I'm assuming. I want to go. We should try to find ways to alter, maybe we alternate events. So I look after Bubs for one day and then you go to one. and then, Solo dates. Yeah, solo dates, which is the way forward now. Yeah, we've already had those. We had separate cinema trips. We did, yeah. I watched a film I wanted to watch. You watched a film you wanted to watch. I didn't really want to watch. I watched Godzilla. But the only reason I watched it because all the other films that that particular day were pretty trash. And it was like... Ugh. But if it was now, I could watch like Lion King or Aladdin or... We can still uh, Jungle, do it. Uh, not Jungle Book. Um, what's that one? Toy Story. You're not seeing Toy Story without me. That's true. But um, yeah, we can still do this. Yeah. I went to see Late Night. Which it? is the Mindy Kaling one. Did we not talk about this already? I don't think we did, no. It's really good. I really liked it. It's brilliant. It's about an Asian woman who makes it. Oh, yeah. And, like oh, yeah. she did. It's like it. basically her story about being the only Asian woman in the room yeah. in a team of comedy writers. Look at that. The Everything only that woman about. and the only ethnic minority. So, so everything that we spoke about in those first couple of shows about representation for us yeah. in the media circles. Mindy Kaling's like, you know, I want to be her friend. She is a G, man. She's an yeah. absolute G. But yeah, also at the Asia House Literature Festival, uh, there's also going to be an event with Nish Kumar and Nikesh Shukla. Part two. Part two, yeah. <laughs> we were there for part one last year. My man's are back for another one this year. It's a good look. Yeah. It's a very good look. It is a very good look. And speaking of Nikesh Shukla, that brings us to the first part of this half of the show which is our book reviews. I know. You actually read. Bruv, I smashed it. I read a whole book. Since, was the first, last time you did this? It was the first time for, in how long? It, for a while. Last book I read front to back was probably like Penthouse 1979. When um, you were one years old. <laughs> I was exposed to a lot of these things at an early age. Uh, but you know what? I, you know, uh, Nikesh was kind enough to send us a copy of The Boxer which is his latest book. Yep. And um, I was having, I was working at Wimbledon the last few weeks. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? This is during my commutes. Uh, I don't want to be on my phone the whole fucking time. I'm just going to read this book over the course of the week. And I smashed it in the course of like four or five days. And what is it about? Well, the boxer is about uh, a lad called Sonny, who's originally from London. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, moved to Bristol now uh, with his mum and his dad. The reason is mostly his dad is now, uh, who's suffering from can cancer, mm -hmm. is now being looked after at a local hospice there, a spe speciality hospice there. Yeah. And so the family relocated to Bristol. He's kind of um, in his late teens, kind of trying to find himself, basically. You know, it's a whole new place away from London, away from the people he cares about back home. And, you know, it's his initial struggles to, you know, it's a lot about self-identity as well. Yeah. Um, 
But the gist of it is he's the victim of a racial hate crime while he's out there. Yeah. And it really puts him in a shell emotionally. You know, it's such a massive thing to happen to him. And he's just questioning all these things in his life. Mm -hmm. But he happens to stumble across a boxing gym. And he uses boxing as a way of getting himself out of his, you know, crushed mindset. Okay. Um, and through there, he meets people and uh, meets some friends. And the story takes a lot of twists and turns because there's a lot of racial tensions happening in Bristol. Yeah. Uh, which is true to real life. You know, Bristol's quite a divisive place. Yeah. And so the story then, you know, unfolds on things that are happening within the town his self-identity issues with racial discrimination and tensions and yeah it's just a really really great book i kind of feel like in a way it's almost metaphorically quite autobiographical for nikesh okay because he's a guy from london yeah who's relocated to bristol as well yeah and you know obviously the two different contexts he's there with his with his uh wife and children but he understands the communities in both places yes yeah you know when you come from a, and, a, and he's obviously from he's from the ends you know he's from harrow originally mm. and so you know a very predominantly asian area you know relocating to an area where you know you're you know legitimately an ethnic minority you know yeah uh and the struggles that sometimes you face in and amongst those that kind of environment yeah and he actually said you know in towards the end of the book and stuff with with the thank yous that it was actually uh the book had actually stemmed from a real life incident that took place with him on a late night train station uh -huh. which is which is how this story kicked off uh for the boxer and it's a young adult book isn't it yes yes yeah. yes exactly so it's it's uh, i guess it's aimed at the kind of like teenage market yeah which is why i read it because obviously that's no, my there are some great young adult novels out there like just because it's aimed primarily at teenagers doesn't mean that it's not a good read exactly and i i can't wait to read it i haven't had a chance to read it yet so i can't wait to read it, it sounds yeah really really good very very good and i guess like it tackles a lot of things that are happening obviously right now in society really important ones it kind of challenges a lot of those issues head on and you know like i said there's not enough you know young adult novels regarding the british asian communities out there and i think that's something yeah. that needs to really be addressed not just obviously here in you know the literature world but also in the curriculum where a book like the boxer you know needs to be implemented yeah. there was uh, another writer that i used to be obsessed with called bali rai hmm. who i discovered when i was i think i was at uni and he does uh, young adult fiction as well yeah he's uh, like so good and he de he dealt with i guess problems that were probably they're still rife now, but they're probably a little bit more like kind of for our generation. Maybe yeah. there was there was a lot more kind of stuff going on. But he has a book about forced marriage. Oh, okay. And it's really, really good. Yeah, I, I think we spoke about this yeah, on that episode. I highly, highly recommend reading Bali Rai as well. Just get out there and read Asian authors in general. Yeah. But the stuff that comes through in the young adult market is very, very good. I think. Absolutely, yeah. and the boxer falls, you know, totally into that into that great bracket itself. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to delve more into the story, but I, I want people to no, go don't out give to anything away. Yeah, don't give it away. I want people to go out and purchase this this book. Um, but without giving it away, do you have a little snippet? Well, yes. Um, I can I can read off an excerpt uh, from the book itself to give you a gist of what it's about. Um, and this is basically just after he's encountered this hate crime. Okay. I lay there on the platform crying in shame because I knew I'd have to explain this to mum and she didn't need another thing to worry about. 
I sensed other people arrive on the platform at some point, voices around me, concerned. But I just lay there, unable to move, unable to speak. I was like a stick insect, trying to blend into the platform in the hope that I'd be left alone. I didn't want anyone else to hurt me. When the next train came, I tried to pull myself to the train door. I cried out when someone's hands went under my armpits, hoisting me up. You okay? Can we call someone? No, I whimpered, as they helped me up and onto the train. Don't touch me. I felt myself jolt down into a seat and lean forward. I thought I was going to be sick. Everything in me was stinging, on fire. The doors beeped shut. The train carriage felt airless and there was a cold sweat all over the back of my neck and ears. I had three stops to travel, then a ten-minute walk. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But more than that, I felt a heaviness around me, like my body was shutting down in order to manage the pain. It wanted me to sleep. I could feel my eyes closing. I could feel my hands going limp. My forearms were bruised. I could tell from where I'd used them to shield my head from kicks. I wanted to cry. Why had they done this to me? Over a samosa? Over a goddamn samosa? Why had they done this? Why hadn't I just given him a bite? Why hadn't I just got up and walked away? Why hadn't I stood up for myself? Would that have made it worse? Or made them realise I was a person and not a packy? My last thoughts before I fell asleep were to blame myself for everything that happened on that train platform. Deep stuff, but the rest of the book encompasses that. Yeah, it's written in the first person, so it really puts you in his shoes. And and reading it from someone that's also Asian, it touches a nerve completely because it's so today and what's happening right now in UK society. It sounds really, really good. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, highly recommend it. Nikesh, you owe me a tenner um, for promoting this shit. But I'd love to get Nikesh... Actually managing to finish a book. Fuck off. (laughs) But, you know, I'm, I'm, I was speaking to Nikesh. Hopefully, we'd like to love to get him on the show one time to discuss the book. I just feel like that, that would be a hilarious show. It would be. The last thing we'd speak about <laughs> is probably books, if I'm honest. Uh, but in between all the bants, it'd be good to discuss this in more detail. Do you know who I'd really love to get on our show? Oh, pray tell. Tell us, Jojo. Dan France. I love him so much. She, uh, if you listen to our last show, it's no secret. So what is your book recommendation, Jojo B? Would it happen to involve Tan France by any chance? Well, yes, because we, we spoke in our previous show about how I sneakily managed to meet him when I went to see him while he was on his book tour and got two copies of the book. Um, <laughs> and I got a picture with him and he was lovely yeah. and I'm so happy. But... Is the book worth the hype? Do you know what? I really have enjoyed reading the book. I haven't finished it because it's very hard for me to finish anything at the moment. So I've been halfway through it for about two weeks now. (laughs) But I've been really, while I was in Newcastle, I tried to have some me time. My parents looked after the bubs and I had some me time. So I just went and sat and just read. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that time. And this book is written in his style. Mm -hmm. So it's written... And if you know what he sounds like, you can just hear his voice in your head, read it, like saying these words because mm-hmm. it's written in that style. He's not tried to be, you know, he's not tried to polish himself in, and be someone he's not. This is him. And I, I think I really enjoy that about the book. It took mm-hmm. me a little while to get into it right? because of that. It took me a little while to kind of be like, grammatically is maybe not correct but that doesn't matter because it's about him and his, it's his voice mm-hmm, yeah. and I yeah it's it's great and 
Yeah, I can read you a little bit of it if you want. Please do. I give you a bit more of an idea of what I mean. So I've got a couple of excerpts that I would like to read. Yep. The first one, um, I'll give you the context. So it's a chapter called Mouthwash, and mm-hmm. it's about being sat next to a girl at school who's the, who says that his breath smells. Oh, basically. And so he kind of gets a, uh, he gets really self-conscious about it. And it's kind of like he's, he's bullied a little bit about it. (laughs) And this is what he says right at the end of this chapter. I love this. That girl was the queen bee, but she peaked in high school. Go ahead. Have that moment, Emma. She recently reached out to me on Facebook telling me how, how proud she was of how far I've come. I did not respond. (laughs) That, dear reader is the sweetest fucking revenge. Shots fired, baby. <laughs> and that's like the tone of this book. Wow. I love it. I love the fact that he's just like, fuck you to all the people who were horrible to me at various points of my life. Yeah. Look where I am now. <laughs> and Tell us how you really feel, Tan. Yeah, because he's just really, I think he's just genuinely really surprised and really happy with how this is his life has turned out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, good for him because he's had it hard. Yeah. It's been a struggle for him. I've got another excerpt. I'll try not to read the whole book to you. Yeah, otherwise we're going to be here for the next eight days. Now, the reason I'm reading this to you was because I chuckled to myself when I read this. Mm. Not because of what happened to Tan at this point, but because of how familiar some of this sounds. Oh, shit. You get so dressed up for everybody else, he told me. But I only get the worst of Tan. (laughs) The Tan who makes no effort. I mean, I could just stop there, couldn't I? But I'll carry on. I sat there on on the sofa in my terribly unflattering sweatpants. That hit really hard. I didn't know what to say. Then he told me he was done. He was leaving. That he didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. In shock, I walked him to the door and we said goodbye. Then I came back inside, slid down the wall and collapsed onto the floor where I cried for what felt like hours and hours. I thought that only happened on TV. We had broken up for real and I went crazy. I'd never had my heart broken before and I didn't know how it felt to be broken up with. I couldn't believe it happened. It felt like it would never get better. At first I thought, I haven't let myself go. But over time, I realised he was absolutely right. I freaking hated it when he was right. The only time I made an effort was for other people. The only version of me he saw was the one that made no effort. (laughs) (laughs) Dishevelled tan at home in his baggy sweatpants and unflattering old t-shirts. With the glasses tied up and hair tied (laughs) up. That was such an eye-opener for me. I never made that mistake again. A lot of us fall into that trap where you make an effort for everyday people who are insignificant to you. We should make that same amount of effort for our partners who are the most important people in our lives. They shouldn't be the ones who get the laziest version of us. Yes, we want to be comfortable enough to not have to put on airs and graces for them, but that doesn't mean making no effort to be desirable for them. On Queer Eye, people say they've let themselves go and will share how it's impacted their marriages. But when they start to present themselves differently, that one thing changes so much about their lives and how they view themselves. Do I think you have to be somebody you're not? No. Should you be comfortable around your significant other? Yes, of course. But I think you should make an effort for them because it's about respect. The respect you have for yourself and the respect you have for your partner. Yeah, Jojo B. I can say the same for you as well. Whatever. Though. This is us. Mine's always in an effort. <laughs> this is us in a couple of paragraphs, basically. But this is what this book is about. So it's his own personal experience, but also doing what he does on Queer Eye, which is kind of giving advice as to like how he thinks 
clothes and how and your appearance and how you present yourself can make in a can make a difference not only superficially but also have quite a big impact on how you feel about yourself and yeah. how others may feel about you as well because you're kind of presenting the best version of yourself yeah. and that's what queer, queer eyes about is about being the best version of you mm. and so i know a lot of people will say it's passion it's superficial it's nonsense but i think actually clothes often kind of show how you feel about yourself and how you're feeling at that moment yeah um and i say this while sitting in uh 90 from indonesia mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very glamorous my hair Slightly messy, tied up, and my glasses on. Yep. And looking at my husband in his vest. Banan. Yes. In his banan, as we would say in Punjab, or ganji, as you would say in Gujarat. We probably need to make a bit more effort of. Yeah, I think so. But hopefully, you know, with uh, the monetary uh, success that we make from this podcast, we'll be able to afford some good clothing. Fingers crossed. <laughs> or Tan will hear this and be like, you know what? These two need my help. And then he will help us. And Queer Eye will come. And they will decorate our house. And they will decorate our lives. Some things are beyond help though. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so as a book. I thought we were friends again. Yeah. As a book. Um, if you love Queer Eye, mm. then I would highly recommend it. If you're not really that interested in Queer Eye, then you're probably not going to like the book. But, but it could be, you know, if, it's, I'd like to feel that, you know, as a writer who's not only from the British Asian community, uh, that's doing really well out there in the States, but also a member of the LGBTQ plus community, the platforms to get those particular members of society heard are you know are only just being able to be unraveled and so well he quite often talks he talk, i think i mentioned this when we were um talking about him last time was that he said that he felt a real sense of responsibility because he is the most well-known mm. south asian gay man yeah, out there exactly and he said that that you know that's a huge responsibility to bear because he just wants to be himself talking about fashion on a show yeah and what he is is not only a gay man but an asian gay man that has to now kind of present himself very well because he he knows that he's a role model and also a representative of a community that doesn't have a voice otherwise yeah yeah or has very small voice otherwise and he's i think he's doing it so well he handles himself so well and he presents himself and he comes across very very um articulate and he's really sweet and he's really funny like i he could do stand up he was really funny when i went to see him live mm. um and i think that yes it's literally like a mirror reflection of me in it you know fucking oh wow we got time france um but you know that's the thing you know it's it's great to see both of these books, the two very different books, but really highly recommended from us. And they're by two Asian men doing, shaking things up in a massive way. Exactly. And doing things that haven't been done. Yeah. And like, you know, kind of really going against the status quo, not having to pander to what's, you know, popular out there in, uh, in the literary context. They're just not afraid to be themselves. And yeah. I think that, yes, they are very two very, very different books, but they are two people who come from a community that's not had any representation and now representing us in the best possible way. Yeah, and it needs our communities, specifically the British Asian communities, to support because that's how we get more British Asian authors to release 
you know their story their narrative yeah you know uh because that's how we can flourish within the literature world absolutely <laughs> absolutely JJ. absolutely that's because that's what you usually say to me what yes absolutely and moving on <laughs> that's yeah, what you what usually about, do to me yeah and all that kind of stuff that's you yeah and, and um we were having this conversation the other day how our, we should have like t-shirts with our respective <laughs> phrases on them so mine's <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Or, yep, 100%. And also, what's that one that makes no sense? Topics of agenda. Topic of agenda. But that's not even, that's not, that, I, no, the other ones I just say, like, without even thinking. Topic of agenda is intentional. Whereas you say, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, so that's, that's two things you just throw in a sentence just because it's you. That's a Jojobism. It's okay, I love you, it's fine. <laughs> We've made fine. up now. We've made up. We've high fived. Deep, Deep breath. When you high fived, you can't take it back a high five Z. Because once it's, once you've high fived, it's all it's all over. Do you think it was the best high fives? Pops. Yeah. Are we taught him how to high five. Fucking cute. <laughs> um Right. So also this month, South Asian Heritage Month. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I didn't do any notes on it, did oh, you? No, I thought, I thought you did the notes <laughs> I thought you were doing it. Oh, oh shit. Okay, so we're back and we made some notes on it. <laughs> <laughs> So but actually, it turns out we've talked about a lot of it anyway. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the events uh, happening uh, it will encompass the Asia House Literature Festival. So we did know what we were talking about. Yeah, That's exactly, fine. exactly. But we're clued in, fam. Yeah. But uh, to set the stage, it was it kicked <laughs> off on Monday, the twenty second of July. Yeah. Uh, at the House of Commons. Okay. You know. <laughs> and what was it about? What is what is it all encompassing? I think it's basically to celebrate uh, South Asian culture here in the UK. Uh, the, what are you laughing? I'm not laughing at you. Come on. You know, um, I think Canada have a big one in Ontario because Wikipedia tell me. Okay. And so I'm assuming that we're now following suit and doing. So it's here. about like history and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, because I think they said that it started off from the talks about the partition a couple of years back in 2017. Right. Okay. And then, um, yeah, just developments were uh, took place and. We've now come to this month, which is championing the South Asian in the UK. Yeah, yes. Big up us, you know. So I, uh, this is also a very auspicious time period because yours truly celebrating a birthday. Oh, yeah. How dare you? It's like the most important date of your whole year. Whatever. My birthday just passed everyone by. Yeah, but don't you show you should show more love to the people you love the most. I do, that's what I do. <laughs> I spend my days doing. <laughs> my days. Um, so do you not do you not care about me or your son? Why are you bringing him into it? Because those are the people you love. Yeah, I spent every day caring for my son. Yeah. Well, mm. Show some more, show some, you know, be happy that things are lovely. Do you want, his first words, or not words, but noises have been ba 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 
and da 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 da. I still haven't heard him say that. So. Well, I have because he said it to me, and so I'm not da da. Mm. I get mm, 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 when he's crying. But uh, bub, seeing bub bub bub, um, there must be a language in the world where bub bub means mum. There has to be, there has to be a language somewhere in the world. So. I don't think so. Because there's always there's always. There's, like, and also, he doesn't speak those languages, whatever they are. How do you know he's not already multilingual at this age? Why are you trying to discredit our son? No, for? he does seem to understand a bit of Punjabi and a bit of Gujarati. He does, but like those other languages, I mean, no. So don't try and make out like he's, you know. Do you know what? I was actually trying to. I know he help loves you me. Here. I was actually trying to help. You I know, here. but but even then, it gets thrown back in my face. Oh, this whatever. Is what I don't so what are you, you doing for your birthday? Oh, nothing much, really. You know, it's in another year. I'm in my forties now. You know, um, so once you get past 40, there's not real reason to celebrate. It's the big 4-1. The big 4-1, yes. And I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis and stuff at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. Cause, oh, uh, yeah, you are. Yeah. Fuck's sake. I'm having a real midlife crisis. I have decided to finish off <laughs> my old WWF Hasbro collection from and the you know, early he keep, 90s. He keeps using Bubs as an excuse. I've got to do this for him. Well, no, the new this ones I'm buying. This is not for him. No, no, this the is new ones. Him. I'm buying the new ones for the two of us because uh, I want him to get into wrestling. I'll, 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 I'll encourage him to get into wrestling because, you know, me and his kaka are both really into it. So I'm hoping, fingers crossed, he gets into it. So I'll have another buddy to wrestle around with. His daddy and his kaka sit there playing with toys. We don't play with toys. <laughs> and they are grown, we're grown old men. We're, collect, we're finishing off our old collection. You know, I'm about we're about 15 away from finishing off the entire collection. So, if for my birthday, if if we got any amazing listeners out there that want to buy me Dusty Rhodes, uh, the Hasbro uh, loose version, I'd hugely, hugely appreciate it to my to our listeners. You know, would you though? Because I don't think you would appreciate it. I think you really want to just go around to car boot sales and try and find it. Yeah, because I'm I'm the most frugal person in the world as well. And also, that would be your trophy moment. I can imagine oh, yeah, you r- running up and down a field afterwards if you found <laughs> yeah. it, like naked, <laughs> <laughs> just you know, pure joy, cartwheeling and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it probably would be. Um, there's 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 a certain like there's a there's a certain like the 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 taste for the hunt. That is so like overbearingly awesome. And I think I'm caught up in that hype right now. But like I said, it's a phase and I'll grow out of it very, very soon. But maybe this is the start of my midlife crisis. But yeah, my birthday's coming up. So uh, by the time you listen to this show, I'll have been another year older and another year wiser and another year more pre. Look at that last one. Eye rolls from JJP. Oh, even the second one, to be fair. Right. Well. That is the end of this like bizarre episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. We'll be back in two weeks' time to back to hopefully some kind of normality. And we'll make sure we don't have a massive argument before the start of the next show. No more domestics. No more domestics. Um, and we'll bring you more topics of agenda as we do week in, week out. <laughs> Until then, my peoples. Peace. Peace.